thank you for joining us here today at Victory Church, where we pray big prayers to a big God and we expect big results. If you have any questions or you want to find out about who we are, visit us online at victory.church or download our mobile app. Now let's check out today's message. How you guys doing? It is great to be here. Thank you. You may be seated. I want to say a quick hello to the Edmond campus as well. Thanks for being a part of our services today. It's just really an honor to be here. And I got to tell you, uh, I absolutely love your pastor. I've had a bromance with him for several years now. And uh, we've just become fast friends. Pastor Craig said, you got to meet this guy. You'll love him. We started just really connecting and just immediately uh, we just felt like there was a brotherhood between us. We understood kind of where each other were at. It was just really great. The only thing I don't like about your pastor is that I look, I look really small standing next to him. I don't like this. I'm just going to be honest with you. And so that's a little, I, I just, I'm going to start bringing a little stool with me wherever we go uh, because he clearly is a Philistine. And so obviously, <laughs> I think he has, do you have 11 toes, right? 11, 12, how many is it? It's, it's, it's pretty crazy. So yeah. And so you just imagine having to go to a gym with him and Craig Rochelle. What am I thinking? Like, this is ridiculous. You know what I mean? This is just, I'm wearing Spanx under my clothing to be around Craig Rochelle already. But then you add John. It's just, it's ridiculous. So anyways, it's great to be here, though. I absolutely love John and Michelle, and, and uh, Jessica and I have gotten to know them. We've had a chance to vacation with them and to hang out with them. And so it's just great to be here. And I just have to say one thing I love about your pastor. I'm just going to tell you this real quick. We were having a great conversation last night. What I love about your pastor is he has never confused pastoring with being a rock star. He's always understood that being a pastor is to be a shepherd and caring for others rather than elevating himself. And I want to honor you, Pastor John, because I love that about you. You've always made it about other people, about your church, about building others up instead of making it about you. You have instead lifted and exalted the name of Jesus instead of your own name. And I believe that's exactly why God is blessing you and blessing this church. So please just give it up for Pastor John and Michelle right now. Grateful for them, really am. So today I want to talk to you about a guy named Nehemiah. If you have your Bible or Bible app, you can go to Nehemiah chapter 6 because Nehemiah gives us something that, that most guys don't talk about and that he talks about family. And this may surprise you, but I was surprised that the one guy who said to fight for your family in the Bible was Nehemiah. I thought that Paul would have said that. I could clearly see Jesus saying it or possibly one of the disciples. But instead it was Nehemiah that was kind of the, the building manager of the wall of Jerusalem. And yet he says, fight for your family. Well, there's reason for that because God told Nehemiah to go back to J-Town, to go back to Jerusalem because the wall was torn down. And the reason why the wall needed to be rebuilt was because the wall of Jerusalem, we know Jerusalem represents the family of God, right? Israel, we know in the Old Testament, just a little theological note here, anytime it says Israel in the Bible, it's actually saying the church today. So if it says, you know, bless Israel, it's saying bless the church, okay? Because we, through Christ, have been adopted into the family, right? And so that's how that works. And so he said, I want to rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. It's broken down. And so one of, the, one of the signs of spiritual health is physical health. One of the signs of spiritual health uh, also in a church is, is that when, I can also tell real quickly whether God's moving in a church. In fact, the last time God moved in a church is the last time a wall got painted, the last time the carpet was redone, the last time something was moved on stage, the last time something was redone. That's actually a physical uh, sign of a spiritual health. And so when, when things are, when God's moving in the church, guess what? You're moving out the old, you're moving in the new. 
In the same way, when God was doing something great in the Old Testament, guess what? The temple was being built. When things are going bad, the temple is being torn down. In that time and again, we see it in Scripture. And so in the same way, uh, God wants to build our families up like he wants to build his church. And so Jerusalem is a great example of how to do that. Nehemiah gives us some powerful words on how we can fight for our family and also for the family of God. So that's what I want to talk about today. I'm very excited about this message because I think this is practical. And I think starting 2021, we could use some practical encouragement today. So today's message is called Fight for Your Family. It says in Scripture in Nehemiah chapter 6, here's what's happening. He went to rebuild the wall. It was, in, it was crumbles. It, it, was, it was a big mess. They're halfway through rebuilding the wall and they get attacked. And so they're under threat of attack, basically. And so they're trying to protect themselves while trying to build something. And isn't that just like our families, right? We're trying to do something great with our families, but our families are under attack, if you hadn't figured it out yet. Your kids are definitely under attack. And so because of that, we have to learn to fight for our families. Check out the scripture. Nehemiah chapter 6 says this. The wall was finished just 52 days after we had begun. When our enemies heard about it, They were frightened and humiliated. They realized this work had been done with the help of our God. So Nehemiah rebuilt the wall in 52 days. I've got some good news for you today. God can restore your marriage. He can rebuild your children. He can restore himself and your home as the head of your home in 52 days. Now, I don't know about you, but that's good news to know that there can be a marked difference in our lives, in our family lives, in as little as under two months. And I don't know about you, but that's good news to me, that God can work quickly. It's often a wonder to me what we say, oh, God, would you do this in my life or do that in my life? And we think, well, one day that will happen. But God, I believe, is trying to tell us today that the time is now. God doesn't want us to put off something great. He wants it to happen in our lives right now. How many times in Scripture do we see the phrase 40 days? 40 days of fasting, 40 days in the wilderness, 40 days of this, 40 days of that. We see this continually. So apparently God is into a shortened, focused effectiveness. In other words, like I'm going to focus the next 52 days on building a wall. How about you? What do you need to focus on in the next two months that could change the rest of 2021 for you? Does that make sense? And so it's incredible what you can do if you just get a little focus. Because the one bullet we all have for our gun, the one ammo we all carry is time. So use your time wisely to build your family into something special. And so how do we do that? Four simple principles on how you can fight for your family. Check it out. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 12. The Jews who live near the enemy came and told us again and again, they will come from all directions and attack us. So there were people who didn't want to see Jerusalem's wall rebuilt. And so there are people who will criticize and who will attack. And so that's what they were facing. But notice who came. Notice who out of the people of God came and said, hey, they're going to come attack us. It said who? The Jews that lived near the enemy. Can I tell you where you're weak in your family? You're weak in your family with whichever member of your family is living closest to the enemy. That's where you're weak. I want to challenge you not to be the weakest link, by the way, in your family. And so who in your family is close by the world? Who is living closest to the line? Are you playing in the gray areas of life? Because that's where the weak link is in our families. That's where we get attacked. It's those who are living closest to the enemy. Number one, would you write this down? Whoever in your family is listening to the enemy will infect the rest of the family. This is why it matters what you listen to, what you watch on television, where you go on the internet, who you're hanging out with. That's why those things matter so much, because whoever's living closest to the the wrong influences will affect and infect the whole family. 
Now, I've got some great news for you parents. Some of you parents are like, man, I wish I could just choose my kids' friends. Wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great if we could just choose your daughter's boyfriend? Now, I've already chosen my daughter's boyfriend. His name's Jesus. That's it. That's the only one she's going to get from me. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? There's a Catholic convent in my town. I'm telling you, I'm going to reserve a spot for her. I'm telling you, you're just going to date Jesus, baby. That's it. That's, that's how I want this to work. But anyways, the, the truth is, is that, you know, we all get nervous about who our, our, our kids are hanging out with, their friends, who they date, who, you know, where they go, all those kind of things. I've got some great news for your parents. You actually can choose for them who they hang out with. Now, it's not totally specific, and here's what I mean by that. You can't just say, be friends with this person, be friends with that person. It's hard to do that. But the younger they are, what you can do is you can expose them to the right environments, and then they'll choose their friends from among that environment. So, for example, my parents, I had no idea what they were doing. But this is what they were doing. When I was 12, 13, 14 years old, I'd say, hey, Bobby called. Uh, he wants to see if I could go to the mall. Oh, we're a little busy right now. Sorry, that's not going to be able to work on my... Oh, we are. and I was thinking, I don't think we're busy. I'm just kind of standing around. I don't, oh, yeah, we, it's not really a good day. Then two hours later, hey, Johnny called. He wanted to see if I wanted to go over to the house. Oh, yeah, you can go. That's fine. Yeah, I'll drive you over there. I was like, oh, well, suddenly we're not busy. That's kind of weird. Just two hours ago, we were busy. Now we're and I didn't realize that was because they didn't want me hanging out with Bobby. But they wanted me to hang out with Johnny because Johnny was a part of the youth group. He was a good kid. He had some good fruit in his life, right? He, was, he had spiritual growth going on. But, but they knew Bobby not so much. And so they knew, like, you hang out with Bobby, you become like Bobby. You hang out with Johnny, you become like Johnny. And so they knew to put me, so it was amazing, my parents, this is what they did. They always said yes to anything that was a spiritual environment. Hey, I was thinking about going to this camp, but it's really expensive. Yeah, you can go. I didn't even told you the price yet. No, I know, you can go. I mean, it's like in another state. Okay, you can go. I was like, wow. Like I, was, I, I should have taken more advantage of this. I didn't realize that I could just mention anything that was spiritual, and they let me do it. If there's a Christian concert, I could go. If there's a Christian camp, a Christian retreat, I could go. No problem. It was those yes, 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 yes. But other things, oh, no, we're pretty busy. My parents were smart to put me in the right places. And guess what? Then from those environments is where I chose my best friends. So parents, you can't always choose their friends, but you can choose the environment from which they pick their friends. This is why your kids should be in youth group every Wednesday night or Sunday night or whenever you have it. They should always be going to camp. They should always go in retreat. Look, if you tell me, oh, my kid, you know, he's getting in trouble at school. So he's in trouble school. He can't go to summer camp this year. No, no, no. That's the one thing he needs to go to is summer camp. You don't keep him from that. You can keep him from band camp. Don't keep him from youth camp. You can keep him from other things. Don't keep him from the youth retreat. Don't keep him from, from, from going to children's church. That's the one thing they need to go to. Does this make sense? And so you can choose their environments. Then they will choose they're friends. So whoever in your family is listening to the enemy will infect the family. So make sure that your kids, your spouse, and you yourself are not too close to the enemy camp. Make sure that you're instead choosing the right friends. Now look what happens next. I love this about Nehemiah. He ain't messing around. Check it out. So I placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall in the exposed areas. Let me ask you a question. Where is the lowest part of the wall in your life? Because that's a great place to to put an armed guard. Where are you weak? Because the key, listen, it's not are we weak? We're all weak somewhere. The question is, where are you weak? And wherever you're weak, put an armed guard there. How many of you guys need an armed guard in front of your refrigerator? I need one right now. I mean, that would be really helpful, wouldn't it? So the truth is we need an armed guard at certain places because we know that's where I'm weak. I've got to stay clear of that. So I placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall in the exposed areas. I stationed the people to stand guard by families armed with swords, spears, and bows. If you're holding a sword in your hand, you're not messing around. Nehemiah was serious about protecting what they were building. And so what does this mean? Number two, take threats seriously and don't be passive. 
Parents, I'm going to tell you right now, can I tell you a place you need to put an armed guard? You need to put an armed guard on this. If you just hand a phone to your child, handing a child, hand, if you just say, because I don't know about you, but your kids are probably like my kids. They're like, what do you want for Christmas? All they want was a phone. Oh, I want the new iPhone. I want this or that, right? That's all they want is, is something that gets them on the internet, gets them to the apps they want, gets them social media, all that. If you just hand a 10-year-old a phone, you might as well also put a little Petri dish of all their vitamins in it and throw a little crack in there too and be like, hey, just don't take that one. Yeah, that's crack cocaine. Yeah, and that's meth. Just don't take those, but take your vitamins. There you go. You would never do that. Then why are you handing them a phone with no blocks, no limits, never checking it, not knowing their passwords? You might as well just go ahead and give them a picture of this one. There's your vitamins. Oh, again, watch out for the crack cocaine and the meth, but I'm going to keep it in there just to make sure you make the right choice. But there you go. You would never do that. But you're handing a 10-year-old a phone that has every red light district in the world on it now? Why would you do that? And so we have created exposure in our own children by just handing this. You say, man, you tell me you should just lock that thing down? Absolutely. 100%. In fact, here's the thing. My kids know this, especially when they're younger. Now, my kids are older now, but when they were younger, I'm going to tell you right now. We told our daughter, we said, the natural state of your phone is actually in my hands. It's abnormal for it to be in your hands. It's a privilege for you to have it. It's normal for me to take it. So, so don't, don't get this wrong. Don't think it's an abnormal when I take it. That's actually normal because actually I own this phone and I'm lending my phone to you. Does that make sense? And so when she first got her phone, most of the time it was in my hands when she got in trouble. Oh, you, should, you shouldn't have looked at that. You should No, let me take that. Oh, come on. I just, no, no. It's going to be about a month. And, you're, I can't. and people say, well, that means your kid probably never had the phone. Exactly. My kid barely had her phone. But you know what she doesn't have? She doesn't have bad habits. She doesn't have nude photos coming to her. She doesn't have all kinds of inappropriate texts. Why? Because we kept this thing mainly in our hands rather than her hands. Because you cannot give a child adult things and think that's going to go well. Does that make sense? All the students are like, I don't like this church at all. This is... I understand that. But the truth is, we're not doing that because we don't love you. We're doing that because we do love you. Right. We're trying to protect our children. And so it's a big deal. Take threats seriously. And if you'll do that, then God will protect your children. He'll also protect your marriage. Take, take uh, threats seriously with your marriage as well. Let me tell you right now, at any point in time, I can take the phone from my wife. She can take my phone. She knows all my passwords. We don't have secrets among us. We just don't do it that way. If you're really that worried about your husband or wife's Instagram account, why don't you just make a combined one? I don't think you're going to get a lot of little sliding into DMs if you're a couple. You're not going to get a lot of that. If you are, I'm scared to even know what that's about. The truth is, is that we need to learn that the devil has a secret weapon now in this technology. We have to take control of that. I didn't go into this like I did last service. I just want to just park on this for a second, guys. Because let's not kid ourselves that it is a danger. And so I just want to talk to the men for a second. Can I just talk to you men? Can I get real in here? Can we do that? Is that okay? We're starting 2021 off right. Can we do that? Can we get a little raw? Men, I love you enough to tell you this. Put your phone across the room from you at night. Guard it and be honest with yourself about what you have access to. If you will do that, listen to me. God only works with a clean vessel. Don't ask God to fill a dirty cup. I bet you pass up the dirty cup too, don't you? You want to be used of God? Give him something to work with. So Clean me out, God. Here's the great news, by the way. The very thing that cleans it 
is the very thing that fills it too. And so just let God begin to pour in your cup and eventually just cleans everything else out. Thank you, God. I want to be filled with your Holy Spirit. I want to be filled with your word, filled with your truth. If you're going to spend too much time on an app, let it be you version. If you're going to spend too much time in social media, make sure that it's, it's talking to a, a, a dear friend of the same sex, that you're encouraging one another and sending each other scripture and praying for one another. You know what? If I'm on my phone late night, I'm texting your pastor, and we're encouraging one another. And he says, hey, this is a series I got going. What do you think about that? You got any ideas? Here's some ideas I've got. Here's something that's worked for us. What's worked for you? Let's make sure that we're sharpening one another rather than doling our own blade with the world. Your future depends on what I'm saying right now. So I hope you hear this loud and clear. Maybe God brought a spiky-haired preacher with ADD from Texas because he knew you needed to hear this today. God has something for you. Take threats seriously. Don't be passive. This is another one, number three. Call a family meeting. Share a new vision. This is Nehemiah principle. 26 days in, about halfway through, it says they're rebuilding the wall. It took him 52 days. About halfway through, he called the meeting. Together, when they, hey, let's all get together. We're being attacked. We need to remember what we're all about. Why are we building this wall? Because we're trying to make Jerusalem great again. We're trying to make this place awesome. We're trying to build this thing and make it strong. We're trying to lift up the name of Jesus. And so he called the meeting. So let's, let's get together. Let's focus on what, what matters here, right? In the same way, you need to get together with your family and say, hey, what are we all about here, right? At our church, about every Every four weeks, I like to just interrupt my message. Whether I'm doing a series on the vision or not, I'll just interrupt it and say, hey, I just want to stop and take a minute. Just remind you why we do church. We do church because we're trying to reach radically lost people. That's who we are as a church. And so I'm going after the beer-drinking, mini-skirt-chasing person that is running to the gates of hell so we can run and dive and catch them by the ankle before they go in and pull them out and save their soul. That's what we do at church. So I just remind them. That's what we're about. In the same way, we need to get our families together and remind our families what we are all about as a church. Does that make sense? And so we need to have some core values that we repeatedly pour into our kids. What does he, what does he do here? Check it out. Then as I looked over the situation, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Another translation, he says, fight for your families. I love that. Call a family meeting. I've got some great news for you. The fact that you're in church is building your family. I don't know if you knew this or not, but Nehemiah, when he gathered them together, he said, I want all of you to build the wall, but build the wall by your house. So this is how it worked. They had these giant, this giant wall all the way around Jerusalem. And the way you built your home is you got a free wall. One-fourth of your home was the wall, the outside wall of the city. And so if the city wall was torn down, that means your house was exposed. So if you built a city wall, you actually built one-fourth of your wall for your home. And you'd build three more walls, and that's how you'd have your home. This is how they built their homes. Here's what that means for us today. Israel represents the church. So when you're building a church, you're actually building your home. When you build your home, you're building a church. The church is only as strong as its families. The families is only as strong as the church. So i got some great news for you. The fact that you brought your family to church today means that you're one-fourth done with building your family. Just showing up is success. Just being in God's house is going to help build your kids. It's going to help build your marriage. Just showing up is a game changer. You are one-fourth successful already just because you got up today. Can I tell you how you'd, you'd be more consistent in church, by the way? Pastor Craig Grishel stopped by or at last service. We were very honored to have him here. And uh, he happens to be my pastor and, and also your pastor's pastor as well. And so we share that. And that he came by. I was very honored to have him in the house. I was a little nervous when he gets here because he's like a preacher of preachers. I'm like, oh, I can't mess up now. i got to be good. <laughs> but one of the things that I've learned from him I thought was really powerful. He taught me this years ago. 
He said he noticed something. When students go off to college, 80% don't go to church, even if they grew up in the church. But he learned that the ones that did go to church, wherever they went off to college, because there's no parent to make them go, were the ones that were serving at their church in high school. Because you go to church to be inspired to get the word of God, but if you're serving there, you're required to go. See, see, this morning if you woke up and thought, oh, I don't want to go to church or not, I'm not sure. But if you were serving here, you're like, oh, i got to be there. Why? Because the youth are counting on me. Because the children's church is counting on me. Because the greeters are counting on me. i got to be there. See, when you have a role to play, you become more consistent. You want to immediately make church a priority? Sign up to serve somewhere. You do that, you won't miss. And if you begin to do that, you'll also pour into the next generation. Your kids, when they go off to college, they'll stay in church. That will be a guarantee. Someone needs to get excited about serving. Aren't we grateful for those who serve right now? People running these cameras, sound crew, video. Oh, man. We are thankful for those who serve in God's house. I want to encourage you to join them. They're the special forces of God's family. And so we need you to sign up as well. It says in Scripture, it says in Proverbs 28, 29, verse 18, it says, where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. When you have students that are messing with the wrong things, for example, I've just, just over the years as a pastor for 20 years at the same church, I will tell you this, students that got involved in drugs and alcohol and, a big, and, and, and had a big problem with it, not, not, not talking about dabbling, I'm talking about they just full-on went into it. Time and again, they were living unrestrained because they didn't have a future. In other words, if you ask a student who's addicted to some kind of substance, typically they'll, if you say to them, what do you want to do when you're 30? They'll be like, I don't even, I don't even know if I can live to 30. See, if you don't have a vision for what your life's going to look like when you're 30, that's when you do anything at 20. But if you have a vision for what you want at 30, you don't just do anything at 20. You think about, well, what's a diet? A diet is I have a vision for what I want to feel like and look like, so therefore I'm not just going to put anything in my mouth. And so it's the same way. We live unrestrained without having a vision of our future. If you have a vision for your future, you don't just spend all your money. Why? Because you realize I want to save something because I have a future plan. And so in the same way, if you don't have a vision from God, for your future, then you'll live unrestrained. This is where you'll watch anything, do anything, go to anything, hang out with anybody, date anybody, do anything. That, that means you're living unrestrained. You don't have a vision. But when I see people with great control, great discipline, like, no, I'm not going to hang out with those people. No, I'm not going to go there. No, I'm not going to date that person. I'm not going to do that. The truth is, if you're single in here, let me just say this right now. If you're single and you always have a date, that means you don't have a standard. If you always have a date, you don't have a standard. If you have a standard, you'll rarely have a date. The girl who always has a date also always has a reputation. The guy who always has a date also has no standards. I'm telling you right now, if you're going to have a high standard, you're going to have to live restrained. You're not going to just be available all the time. That's how that works. Does that make sense? People should have to pre-qualify to get your time. Because you, sir, you, ma'am, you, student, or a man or woman of God, and God has big things for your life, so not anyone gets your time. You are worthy of greatness because God has great things for your life, so restrain yourself because there's a big future for you. Your time is worth it. Guard yourself. God has big things for you. Call a family meeting. Share a new vision about who you are as a church, or how about this, how about who you are as a family, who you are as a couple. Talk about what that's going to look like for you. And if you'll do that, God can do great things. I have, I have a, a pet peeve. I was just telling Pastor John about this. There's a little pet peeves I have. It was when I see 55-year-old, 60-year-old newlyweds, and they're all over each other. I have a pet peeve. My pet peeve is not that they're all over each other. I think that's great. I think it's awesome when they're, you know, sitting in a restaurant, and the guy's got his tongue in their ear, and you're like, wow, this is really weird. You're 50, man. What are you doing? 
it's great, but, I, but, but the thing that bothers me is when we're all like, man, every couple should be like we are. I'm like, no, you're two years into your marriage, okay? Let's be honest. Like, it's because you went through a divorce, and now you're remarried, and that's why you're like all over each other. So my pet peeve is I told my wife, I was like, I want us to be remarried to the same people. Like, I, want, I don't want to have to go through a divorce to be all over you. I think we should just choose to stay all over each other and to stay in love and to stay in the newness by being renewed in the spirit. Does that make sense? And so that's the way it should be. So I'm on my second, my third, my fourth marriage, the same girl. Does that make sense? How does that work? It's real simple. She needed a new husband. So I said, God, renew me, make me into a new man. And then she gets a new husband. That's the way God wants it to be. So now I'm just going off. Okay, here we go. Call a family meeting, share a new vision about what you want to be in, as a couple in your marriage and your family, and God can do some great things through that. Now check it out what happens next. Here's the real definition of how you fight your family. Nehemiah teaches us this. It's a simple principle. You forget everything else I said today, don't forget this. Check it out. When our enemies heard that we knew of their plans and that God had frustrated them, we all returned to our work on the wall. But from then on, I love that, from then on, have you ever had that from now on moment? Okay, from now on, you're not going to be texting that person. From now on, you don't go to the break room with that employee in the break room. From now on, you're not going to be up late night doing this or that. From now on, you're not hanging out. How many of you guys have had some now on moments with your kids? You ever had some now on moments with your spouse? We don't want to raise your hands on that one. It's okay. I know, I know your hands are going up. Right? You're like, okay, from now on, you're not hanging out with that guy. From now on, right? I mean, that's just experience right there. It's from now on, we're not, we're not doing that. That's just how we work. My dad told me years ago, you need to be home by midnight. I was like, why? He said, because nothing you choose to do past midnight is a good decision. Man, was he right. Think about the dumbest things you've ever done. What time was it? After midnight. That's why we're kind of strict about that in my home. As funny as that sounds, I'm like, hey, I'm just saving you from some dumb now on moments. Because when I made dumb decisions, I said, from now on, my kids are going to be home before midnight. Because that's when I did stupid things. And so in the same way, what's your now on moment? From then on, only half my men worked while the other half stood guard with spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. The leaders stationed themselves behind the people of Judah who were building the wall. The laborers carried on the work with one hand supporting their load and one hand holding a weapon. All the builders had a sword, uh, a sword belted to their side. The trumpeter stayed with me to sound the alarm. So today I get to be the trumpeter. The trumpeter is the one who calls attention to problems. So today I want to be the trumpet. I want to trumpet to you to get your attention. Just like a bugler would be in, in an army that would blow the bugle to get everyone's attention. Hey, it's time. Let's go. We're going to war, right? So I get to be the trumpeter today. And I want to teach you the Nehemiah principle to fight for your family. Here it is. With one hand, build. Have a brick going in one hand. I'm building. The other hand, a sword. What does this mean? Here's how you fight for your family. You build and you protect. You build and you protect. Some of you are really good at building. Oh, we have so much fun in our family. We're always going on cool vacations and doing cool stuff. And we got a boat and we got the lake house and we're doing all this cool stuff. And you're great at building, but you let them bring an idiot with them. Oh, that's just my daughter's boyfriend. I mean, I'm really crazy about him, but you know, I mean, what can I do? So you built, but then you let an idiot come in and hurt her. Right? You built, you didn't protect. And then some people right now are like, well, I'm protecting my marriage. Nobody getting to my man. I'm going to guard him right now. I'm telling him, right now, oh, no, I'm watching his phone. I know what his Facebook is. I'm guarding that. I'm going to protect him. He's, he's, he better only have eyes for me. And I'm telling him, I'm going to protect him. And so that he's only mine. And I let him be mine once or twice a year. <laughs> so you're protecting a dry marriage. Good job. Or maybe we should build it 
make it special so we got something to protect. So let's not just build. Let's also protect. Let's not just protect. Let's also build. I want to guard my marriage, but I want to guard it because there's something to guard. Do you build 10 feet walls around your kids, but there's nothing cool going on in your home? And they're always trying to peek over. What are they doing over there? I just want to get out of here. I just, I'm always, you're always, no, 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 no. You're, you're guarding them, always protecting them, but there's nothing going on. What do you have going on? Is there anything attractive about your life that makes them want to come back and see you? Is there anything drawing them to say, I want to be a part of this family? Because of the fun we're having, the cool stuff we're doing, the exciting things God's doing in our family, or are we protecting them and keeping them enclosed in something boring with no new life? Build and protect. It's not one or the other. How do you do this? How do you build? Ephesians chapter 4 says this, Let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up. One of the fastest ways to build your marriage, to build your kids, is with words, with words of affirmation. Speak positively over your marriage, positively over your kids. Find them doing something good. Sometimes it can be a challenge, I, I admit. Sometimes you're like, whew, I'm going to have to wait a while to find something good. But it's there, right? So my wife will tell me, baby, thank you so much. It means so much to me that you showered. You have no idea. Thank you so much. I'm glad to help you out, baby. Anytime I can help, you know, this is great. Find something you're doing right. When your kid does something right, once a year, build on it, right? Here's what I'm saying. The number one management principle of all time, John Maxwell used to teach us, the number one management principle of all time is this. People do what you reward them for. So catch your kids doing the right thing and reward them for it, rather than always catch them do the wrong thing. Catch your spouse doing the right thing. Reward them for it. Hey, babe, that means a lot to me when you did that. And because of that, I know you like this, so I'm going to do this for you. And reward them. Whatever that reward looks like for them, do it. If you'll do that, they will, they will reward you again by repeating that behavior. And so I just want to encourage you, you can build them up with your words, with your actions. And then how do you guard? So we're going to build, got a brick in our hand, going to put that, build our marriage, build our kids, and the sword in the other hand. How do we guard? Check it out. It says in Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. We have to guard our hearts. So how do you do this? Let me give you a couple of real practical things real quick. Here's some ways to build. Here's a way to build. When you think something kind, say it. Here's a way to guard. When you have a concern, say it. Did you catch that? When you think something kind, say it. When you have a concern, say it. Either way, you got to have open communication. Here's another one. Uh, make time a priority with your marriage, with your kids. I've got three kids, and so I have to re be real proactive about that. My youngest, uh, my daughter, uh, she's 17. I only have about a year and a half left with her in the house. So I'm very proactive with her, and so I, I make sure I, I take time with her. A couple months ago, I pulled her out of school and took her to Disney. You know, because I really believe in never letting school get in the way of my child's education. <laughs> so I pulled her out of school. And we went two days. We made sure we could afford it. It didn't cost her her grades. But, but we worked it out, and I took her for two days away. And she learned that my dad prioritizes me. And we had an absolute blast, and I don't regret it at all. And it was awesome. And I'm not going to be able to do that in a few years. I only got so much time left. And so I want to use that time wisely. And if your kids are literally thinking, oh, I got lots of time. No, you don't. You don't have lots of time. I promise you, you don't. Take the time now. With my boys, I always try to take the time. Just let's just hang out. Let's grab a Coke and just get, get, get a moment with them. If you'll do that, it's a game changer. Make time pro. Here's, here's another one. Guard your time with your family. You got to protect that time. You don't just say yes to everything. You say yes to the right things. Here's another one. Attend church regularly. Start serving as well with your family. Great way to serve is don't just sign up yourself to serve. Sign your whole family up. Tell your kids, you just got signed up to greet. Oh, I don't want to greet. What are you talking about? No, I'm greeting. You're greeting too. Just have them do it with you. 
You know, hey, if I'm going to serve in the nursery, you're going to serve alongside me. If you'll do that, guess what? You're building into them the concept and the priority of God's house. By the way, if you're single, how many singles do we have in the room? Raise your hand if you're single at Edmond right now. Raise your hand if you're single here. Raise your hand, hold your up real high. Would you do that real quick? Let me just talk to you singles real quick for a second. Hey, all the single ladies, all the single ladies, all the single ladies, where are you at? <laughs> Let me just say this real quick to you. Ladies, only date a man who's serving in the house. Because if they won't serve in God's house, they won't serve in your house. I don't care how much they talk, Jesus, Jesus, praise the Lord, blah, 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 doesn't matter. You know what cuts through all that? Do you give God your time? If you don't give God your time and your tithe, then he's not going to give you his time or his tithe. If he won't give God his treasure, why is he going to give him treasure for you? If he makes church all about himself, then he's going to make you all about himself too. But if he gets his eyes off of himself and onto God, onto others, onto serving, onto prioritizing the things of God, then he'll prioritize someone else in his life too. Ladies, you hear me? Only date a man who is serving in God's house. Because you can't fake that. Either you do it or you don't. You can't fake it. Just a little side note. Last thing. Attend church regularly. Get your whole family involved in church. Feed your mind good stuff. Guard your mind from the wrong things. Feed your mind good stuff. How many of you guys want to be blessed in 2021? Anyone? I do. How about this? I got a proposition for you. Doesn't it say in Malachi, if you'll bring the tithe, that he'll pour out a blessing on you? Oh, wait, that's building your life, isn't it? Oh, but guess what? The next part says, and I'll protect your crops. I'll protect what you got left. So when you tithe, you build your life in God's house, and it also protects the other 90%. Wouldn't it be cool this year if 100% of the money you lived on was blessed? Isn't this the first Sunday of the year? Why don't you start right now that every dime for 2021 is blessed because I brought the tithe first. Just the other day I called a man to thank him for giving to our church. I just want to thank you. Just thanks for making a difference. I appreciate it. He said, Pastor, I didn't even know you were going to call me. I'm so honored you called. It wasn't necessarily a large number that he had given. I didn't call him. just call rich people. I just called this. Just want to say thank you for, for, for giving. He said, I can't believe you called me. I'm so honored. And he said this to me. He said, you know what? I got the, I got the business. He said, I'm always driving around, and he was in the service industry, and he, he owns his own company. He said, Pastor, I'm going to be honest with you, I wasn't tithing. He said, I was drowning on 120% of my income, having to borrow 20% constantly just to keep my bills paid. I began to tithe. I'm thriving on 90% now. Which one do you want? You want to drown on 120%, always be in debt? Or do you want to thrive on the 90% left because God blesses it? He builds and protects when you choose to give to the Lord. Let's bow our heads right now. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Would you take a moment in prayer? What is God calling you to build? Let God speak to you. Now, I believe His Holy Spirit is going to speak to you. What is He saying to you that you need to build? Maybe you need to build some time with your, your spouse. Maybe it's time to say, you know what? I'm going to start making a, a regular once-a-week date night with my wife again. I want to build. I want to get back to what, fam- what started our whole family was, guess what? What started your whole family was a guy fell in love with a girl. Let's remember that, right? That's the start of it all. So God, I want to get back to that. I want to build something. If that's you, raise your hand high. Say, God, I want to build. Maybe you need to build some time with your kids. I want to build into them, build some great memories. I want to build some great feelings, just some good camaraderie going between you and your kids. How many of you today would say, Pastor, the truth is, is that I need to protect. There's an area of vulnerability with my children or in my marriage or in myself 
and I need to protect it. Maybe for you, you say, it's time to go home and put some protections on my computer. I need to protect from all the channels coming into my home. I need to maybe limit some of those. I need to protect who we're hanging out with, where we go. There are certain places we're just not going to go anymore. We've got to protect our kids from the wrong lifestyle choices, from the wrong places. If you've got something to protect, just lift your hand high. I'm going to pray for you. I know it's a tough thing. You may need to have a real hard conversation, but I believe God will bless that. I believe God may have brought me here today just for you. Right now, I believe you, sitting on the back row with Edmund right now, God is speaking just to you. God brought me here just for you because God wanted you to have this word. It's time to have an honest conversation. If you have a concern, say it. Speak it. Because you can't fix what you won't admit. You can't change what you won't acknowledge. So maybe it's time to have a hard conversation. Build and protect. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you, God, you have great plans for our lives. I pray that you'd protect us from the wrong things and you'd build into our lives a greatness, a glory that comes from you, Lord, in our marriages and our children. Thank you, God, for the gift of family. Lord, thank you that Nehemiah also not only said to protect and fight for our families, he also said the joy of the Lord is my strength. So, Lord, we want to return to you because you fill our lives with joy. So, Lord, we start 2021 off right. We start it with you in the driver's seat. You as a priority, Lord. Thank you, Father, that we can fight for our families. In your name we pray. Amen. Once again, thank you for joining us today for this week's message at Victory Church, where we are called to equip people to live in His presence, move beyond themselves, and be transformed. The only way that can happen is through your radical generosity, your serving, and your prayers. If this ministry has impacted your life in any way, we would like to invite you to partner in giving towards this ministry. You can do that by visiting our website at victory.church give or download our Victory Church app and select Give. Once again, thank you and God desires for us to live life to the full.